Amen. Well, this is week number three in our brand new worship center. Are you enjoying this gift God has given us? It's so, it's so great to be here each week together to see all that God is doing. Uh, before we get into our, our study this morning, I, I do want to give you a, a next-gen update. We've been doing this periodically over the last three years. And today, we've got one month uh, left to go in our 36-month spiritual journey that we have been on. And I want to report to you that as of today, we have received 2.2 million, 2 million, uh, $216,122. And we praise God uh, for the generosity uh, that has enabled us to be at this place. Uh, just to give you perspective, this puts us at 86% of our, our total commitments. And we are praying right now, uh, because this has been a goal of ours, that we would make it uh, to 90% of our commitments. And I just want to let you know what that would take. Uh, 90% is what's seen as a truly outstanding marker for a spiritual initiative like ours. Now, this is going to take over $105,000. And I just want to let you know I'm praying, and I hope you will join me in praying, that we would all give generously, especially these last four weeks of our 36-month journey, that we would make it to that place. Amen? God is good. God is good. You know, for some time now, uh, we have been uh, letting you know our goal as we come to the end of Next Gen is that we finish strong, uh, that we open well, and then we accelerate forward. And we really have seen God doing that. Um, just to give you more perspective, uh, 120 of our 259 families have already uh, met and even surpassed their commitments. Uh, many, many more um, of you are very, very close, and I know that's going to be happening uh, in the weeks that are ahead. And then two weeks ago on grand opening, uh, we just had an amazing grand opening Sunday. We opened well. Uh, we had, uh, in spite of the rain, 1,676 people attending. And uh, those of you who are here, as you watch that video again, uh, you were reminded that we were able to have our ceremony outside. I wonder how many of you noticed uh, that God paused the rain between services. It's like it rained in the 9 o'clock service, and then it didn't rain between services, and then it rained again in the 1045 service. Just a coincidence. I don't know. You know, but God was good to us in that, uh, right? God is good and all the time. And, and then as I'm just thinking about accelerating forward, um, we are heading into the summer. I, I just want to let you know our prayer um, is that every one of us will continue uh, to show generosity, especially in this direction. Uh, we recognize that some of us need a little extra time to complete our commitments. And we've also just been really blessed to see it all the way through this journey uh, how many people who have just shown up in the middle of Next Gen who have joined in. And probably some of you are, are those people. And it may be some others uh, who are new uh, to Southwinds. And you're going to want to join in with us uh, as we continue our mission of seeking uh, to reach thousands of people in Tracy and in Mountain House and in Lathrop. Um, it probably won't surprise you uh, to know that we've encountered some challenges along the way and uh, some unexpected costs during construction. And we'll, we'll be kind of updating the, the church family as we go along in this. But any generosity uh, that is above and beyond our, our, regular, uh, our regular giving will be so important um, as we move forward uh, into the future that God has for us. 
It's all about people that God has called us to reach. Amen? And we're going to continue uh, to do that, uh, continue, uh, I pray, to be faithful uh, to all that God has for us. Well, let's jump into our message today, and I want to begin with a question, as I've been uh, each week in this series, what makes an unstoppable church? And we've been giving some different answers to that question, but today's answer is community. Authentic, rich, deep relationships between people is just indispensable to being the church that God has called us uh, to be. There's an old African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. And I put a twist on that today. It takes a community to truly and fully follow Jesus. In fact, I want to say it this way. No one can fully follow Jesus all by himself. A long time ago, the English writer John Donne said, no man is an island separate to himself. We are just not made that way. I read about a man eating in a restaurant in the South, and everything on the menu came with grits. I mean, you just couldn't get anything without grits, either on the side or in the middle. They were just everywhere. And he he had never really been sure what grits were made of, and so he asked the waitress, can you help me out here? What exactly is a grit? And her response was, honey, it's grits. They don't come by themselves. That's just the way grits are. See, a grit doesn't come by itself. They come in community. They come in relationship. And human beings are kind of like grits. In fact, some of you are probably a little too gritty sometimes. Uh, But God made us for community. God made us for relationships. God made just one person And do you remember what he said? He said, they don't come by themselves. Genesis 2.18, very famous words. The Lord spoke and God said, it is not good for man to be alone. See, you were created for community. God shaped and formed you for relationships. Psychologists call this this universal need to belong. We all have it. And even Jesus needed friends. The Bible has a very important word about people experiencing deep community. It's God's word for community. It's called fellowship. And we use the word fellowship to refer to a lot of different things, to just hanging out with people or having a party or being with friends. But, but fellowship is more than socializing. Fellowship is more than, it's more than networking. It's even more than just spending time with the people that we love. Fellowship in the truest sense is soul-to-soul spiritual connection. And the sad thing is that so many people have never really enjoyed a true experience of genuine fellowship. They've never had a spiritual connection with anyone. I mean, we have all kinds of connections in our life. People have emotional connections. People have sexual connections. People have have physical connections, intellectual connections. But so few people ever know heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, spiritual fellowship connections. And the reality is, as the Bible teaches us, you can never know this unless you know the Lord and then unless you also have learned to experience community with other Christ followers. So why is community essential? Well, there's lots of things we could talk about. I've shared in the past when we've talked about this that there are physical reasons why community is essential. I mean, the truth is you will live longer. There's health benefits to it. 
Lots of studies have, have proven that. There are emotional reasons as well as spiritual reasons. Uh, there was a book written a few years ago by a man named Dr. Edward Hallowell. He was a professor at Harvard at the time. He's an expert in this area. And this book was simply called Connect. And this is what he writes. We are a nation of doers. We hurry from place to place, filling our lives with all kinds of activities, sometimes overscheduling our kids and ourselves. But what really sustains us emotionally, psychologically, and physically is connectedness. The feeling that we are part of something that matters, something larger than ourselves that gives life meaning. Just as there is a vitamin deficiency, there is a human contact deficiency, and it weakens the body, the mind, and the spirit. Its ravages can be severe. Depression, physical illness, early death. Or they can be mild, underachievement, fatigue, and loneliness. Just as we need vitamin C every day, we also need a dose of human contact every day with other people. And we all know we need food and air, right? We, we all know we need vitamins, and most of us know we need sunshine. But a lot of us don't seem to realize that deep human connection, relationship, community is essential to health in every area of our lives. The Bible gives four word pictures that talk about community, and that's what we're going to explore this morning. Four word pictures that say living in community is like this. And I think we need to look at these because a lot of us misunderstand what church is really all about. And if you don't know this, let me say it. Church is not just a place to attend. I'm glad you're here. It's good you're here, but if you think this is what church is all about, you misunderstand. Church is much more than what happens here. Church is a community for connection. And this weekend, around 1,200 people are going to be at Southwinds, but hundreds of them are not really connected spiritually to any church. So I want to explain this to all of us so that we are uh, aware of the benefits of living in community because you cannot fully follow Jesus apart from a commitment to his community, his church. So let's look at the pictures. Here's the first picture. Living in community, the Bible says, it's like being a brick in a building. The Bible compares the church to a spiritual building. Notice Ephesians 2, verses 20 to 22. It says, you believers are like a building that God owns. Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in the building. That whole building is joined together in Christ. And you might circle joined together. You are being built into a place where God lives through the Spirit. Now, over 20 years ago, uh, when we were living in Chicago, we had a home uh, built in the Chicago area, and I, I got to experience the process of construction of a home. And so while the home was going up, I, I got to go there almost every day and just see what was happening, watch what was going on. And it was pretty fascinating uh, to me. Uh, so many details, uh, so many thousands of different parts of a building, a lot of which I didn't understand. But one of the things I did understand is that all of the parts had to fit together. See, if they didn't fit together, you weren't going to have a building. I mean, if a beam is like a half inch short, the wall or the roof might collapse. 
If it's a half inch too long, it's just not going to fit and throw everything else off. If a door is too thick or too thick, thin, if the hinges aren't hung right, the door's not going to work. If there's a pipe and it's an inch too short, that's not going to work. I mean, every part had to be connected because if it wasn't connected, it wouldn't be part of the building. And I would walk around on various days and I would see lots of different pieces of potential building like on the floor. You know, there would be bricks for the fireplace. There would be piles of lumber that were going to be used for something. There was metal, pieces of metal for ducts and there were switches and there were boxes and there were wires. But as long as they were disconnected, they were not really part of the building. They were in the building, but they're not really part of the building until they were connected. Now, this is a, a parable for many of us. Maybe you, you, you come to Southwinds and maybe you attend here, so you're kind of in the Southwinds family, but you're not really part of the Southwinds family because you've never chosen to be connected. And, and again, like I said, it's good to be here. It's good to come and sit and, and listen to God's word and sing songs with God's people. And it's good for you to talk to some people maybe before you go home. But without that commitment to community, you're just a spectator. You're not a participator. And you need to get in community. Everyone needs it. Ephesians 2.21 in the New Living Translation says, We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. See, God is building a spiritual temple. It's a living temple. It's going to last forever. And to be part of it, you must be connected to it. You have to live in community. I was reading some different translations of this passage. This is an incredible passage at the end of Ephesians chapter 2. And I came across the message paraphrase, which I love. Uh, it says this, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Why did God choose a building as an illustration of what it means to be spiritually connected? I mean, why did, why did he choose a, a building to demonstrate what the church is like? And I, I think one of the reasons is that in a building, the pieces all support one another. Beams support other beams. Walls support other walls. The roof holds the walls together. The walls hold the roof up. There's connection and there's support. And I think specifically this is a picture of what small group community is like and what it's for. You know, we're a church that's built on small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. Small groups are so essential to everything we do here. And all of our more than 60 small groups are places for you to find support. They're intended to be places where you can pray for people and be prayed for, where you can serve others and you can be served, where you can love others and you can receive love. And I just want to encourage you, you need to be a part of one if you're not. If you're not in one and maybe you're here today, maybe you're pretty new today, you want to find out more, uh, you could stop by the small groups table out in the lobby. We, we have groups for... I, 
pretty much anyone, anytime, anywhere. And if we don't have one for you, then we can start one. We have groups uh, that are designed for special needs of support and care. A uh, very important part of the life of Southwinds are, are, is our Celebrate Recovery ministry that has many groups. They meet every Friday night, and this may be a place where you can be served. On Wednesdays during the, the school year, we have what we call Care Night. And there are a variety of, of other support groups that meet, like grief share and divorce care. We have mental health recovery groups like Living Grace and Family Grace. We have a financial support group called Financial Peace University. There's so many areas that we provide help and support for you if you'll take advantage of it. And this is just one of the deepest needs that all of us have in our lives. You need support. You need emotional support. Sometimes you need physical support. And you certainly need spiritual support. See, where are you going to get it if you are not in community? Who's going to hold you up in the tough times if you're not connected to some other people? I just want to say it. You were not meant to go through life disconnected and unsupported. Everybody needs to be in community like a brick in a building. Second picture, living in community is like being a part of a body. This is another uh, illustration that the Bible uses. It compares the church uh, to a body. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ over and over again. So we have this analogy, the church is like a physical body. Here's one example. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, uh, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, these verses are literally packed with, with, with spiritual truth. I want to just quickly point out five observations that we see in these verses. Here's the first one. We're all different. Have you noticed? We're all unique. God doesn't want us to be like everybody else. He wants you to be you. He made you the way you are, you are unique, and that leads to the second thing. We all have different roles to play, different work to do, different niches to fill. See, in a body, not everything, everything does the same thing. I mean, can you imagine if all the parts of your body just did the same thing? I mean, like, what, what if every part of your body did digestion? That would be redundant, and I think it would be uncomfortable, you know, it's unnecessary. Uh, there's a lot of other things that need to happen with your body besides just digesting food. We all have different roles to play in Christ's body. Third observation is we, we're all needed to make the body complete. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The ear can't say to the nose, I don't need you. Some of us may need to be reminded that some parts of the body are small but utterly necessary. If I, you, you may find yourself thinking, you know, in this big body of Christ called Southwinds, I think I'm just like a toenail on the body. <laughs> well, have you ever lost a toenail? <laughs> I mean, do you notice when a toenail is missing? And all God's people said. Yeah, I mean, it's very uncomfortable. It could be very painful. So even when the smallest part of your body hurts, you notice. I have another question for you. Um, and some of you may not want to out loud answer this question, but what do you do when you smash your finger with a hammer? 
Some of you, like, you use your mouth to do things you probably shouldn't when that happens, right? Especially not in church. How many of you have ever smashed your finger with a hammer and your whole body reacts and, like, levitates up in the air or something like that, right? I mean, there are no little people in the body of Christ. Size and significance have nothing in common. And I just want to reaffirm, if you are at Southwinds, you are needed here. Even if you don't for sure know how and where, you are needed here. God has put you here for a reason. You're not here by accident. You have a role to play here, and we want to help you find it. Number four, we all belong to each other. The Christian life is not just about believing, it's also about belonging. And it's right, it's great when we say, I believe in Jesus, but part of believing in Jesus is belonging to his body. You need to be part of a body. And again, I mean, this whole analogy, what good is a body part detached from the body? We all belong to each other. Number five, we all need to be connected to each other. You know, what good is an eyeball detached from the body? And the answer is none. What, what good is, is a hand detached from the body? It's useless, right? It, 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 here's the parallel that Paul is trying to get us to see. God wants each of us to be connected to his body because you cannot grow as a Christ follower without being in community. You really can't. Ephesians 4.25 says, In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. So again, the question is, why, why did God use the body uh, as an illustration of what the church is to be? And I think one of the answers is because in a body, the parts all grow together. That's how growth takes place best. They grow in harmony. I mean, if your arm or leg gets detached from your body, they can't grow, right? I was doing a little bit of work in the yard yesterday, and I saw a lizard. We have a lizard or two. We, we give him a name every year. Um, you know, who knows if it's the same lizard or not, but he went running away as we were doing stuff in the garden, and I thought, you can't have part of your body chopped off and it grows back unless you're a lizard. This is random theological information from Pastor Mike. I, sometimes it's... You get what you pay for, right? Um, well, I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. You cannot be all that God wants you to be without being attached to a local body of Christ, without having a church home. This is really the second most important connection in life. The most important connection in your life is your connection to God through his son, Jesus Christ. But as I said, part of being connected to God through Jesus is getting connected to Jesus' body so that you can grow. Colossians 2.19 says, Under Christ's control, the whole body is nourished and held together by its joints and ligaments. And it grows as God wants it to grow. Joints and ligaments connect muscles to bones. They hold everything together. They, 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 they permit action to take place. Notice it says we grow as we get our nourishment and our strength from God. And again, if you're serious about spiritual growth, you need to get serious about getting connected to a body. You have to get connected to a church body and just say, this is where I'm going to grow. It is so important. You cannot grow spiritually on your own the way God wants you to so the third picture uh, living in community is like being a sheep in a flock 
Now, the Bible um, also calls the church a flock, and it actually seems to be Jesus' favorite term. He calls the church my little flock. It's a very beautiful image of what it means to be in community. We see it a number of places in the Bible. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, God made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, for some of us, that may not sound very appealing. Maybe it sounds kind of smelly, and you know, you're not sure you, you get it. In suburbia, we probably have very uh, little idea about how well that sheep are cared for. Psalm 23 says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. See, when you get in God's flock, the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, he takes care of the needs in your life. One of the areas or places in scripture where Jesus talks about this the most is in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 10, and you probably have read what he says there. Look at these verses in verse 11 and 14. Uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And let me just tell you, that's how much you matter to God. Jesus gave his life for you. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can ever snatch them out of my hand. Well, why did God choose the flock as an image of what it means to be a part of God's community? I think one of the reasons would be because in a flock, the sheep are protected and cared for. This is one of the functions of a church, and you need this in your life. I mean, some of you, when you're living Monday to Saturday, you're having a lot of pressure and a lot of struggle. Some of you are regularly getting beat up in your business world, amen? It's hard, Monday to Friday. Some of you come home at night and your marriage and your family are being strained to the limit for one reason or another. Some of you are facing a personal crisis. Maybe it's about health. It could be something else. But you need people, every one of us, we need people who will step up to bat for you. When everyone else walks out in your life, you need someone who's going to walk in, someone who will protect you, someone who will care for you. This is what a shepherd does with sheep. The Bible tells us that in every church, God uh, gifts certain people at caring. They're, they're good at caring for other people. They're, they're good at loving. They're, they're people people. And this can show up in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it shows up in, in leading and encouraging a discussion in a group. Sometimes it shows up in physical, tangible support, emotional support, just practical ways of helping people as they have needs. God gives these people to the church. And they're called a number of different things. Uh, sometimes the Bible refers to people like this as pastors or shepherds. And some of the people you need to know who do this are, are lay people. They may be small group leaders. They may just give care informally. But we all need them. Every one of us. Every sheep needs a shepherd. Every person needs needs support and care. 
One of the descriptions for people like this in the church is 1 Peter 5, 2, where it says, Care for the flock of God entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve. By the way, as I was thinking about this message this week and encouraging you to get into community, I was cognizant of the reality that we are moving into summer and that our groups have uh, summer schedules and things don't happen quite as frequently in the summer around here. But we've made some uh, allowance for that. We've tried to prepare for that in some ways. And I just want to let you know, if you're new around here and you're not in a group and you're interested, uh, we're going to be having a couple of what we call Come Hungry Fellowships where people can come after church. It's going to be out of home. There's going to be food. There's going to be swimming. You know, and you can come and meet some people. You can find out uh, about groups. And you're going to hear more about that in a few minutes. This first one is three weeks from today. Some of you who are new and you want to find out about small groups, you can take your specific questions uh, to Pastor Chris Martinez, our small groups pastor, and you will make his day. He will be so happy to help you in any way that he can. Uh, one of the things I want to let you know, um, this fall we're going to be rebranding our, our small groups ministry. We're going to start calling our, our groups life groups because we want to put the focus more and more on doing life together, that life together is what community is all about. You're going to be hearing more about that uh, in the days that are ahead, but that's just a little heads up. That leads us to the final picture of community. The fourth one, uh, this is a picture of getting spiritually connected. It's one you're all familiar with, and I think it may be my favorite image. It's like being a member of a family. The Bible calls the church the family of God. We're a spiritual family. We're, we're God's family. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church. See, many of us, we, we live a long distance from family members, extended relatives. Many of us are single adults. Many of us have a marriage or a family that's not particularly supportive of your, your spiritual growth. We are your family. We can help you and we can love you and we want to care for you and we want to help you be all that God is calling you to be. How do we do that? How do we together act as members of the family of God? Romans 12, 10 says, love each other like brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're family. Some of you have been around church long enough to remember in past generations it was pretty common for members in churches to refer to each other as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, right? You remember that? It's not a bad idea. They still do that in some parts of the country, some churches, but it just highlights that we really are related to each other in God's family. Uh, This phrase in the New Testament, one another, is a very important, often overlooked phrase. It's used 58 times in the New Testament, and it tells us so much The New Testament says that we are to love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, support one another, give to one another, help one another, on and on and on. And this is what it means to be a member of a a family. You're not just a spectator. You're a participator. You're not on the outside looking in at a family. You're on the inside as a family member. But you have to act. You have to choose for that to become a reality. We can't make it happen to you. 
I was reminded this week of um, a TV show uh, that some of you will remember. Um, it's the TV show Cheers. And uh, it has actually been off the air for 26 years now. And those groans that I hear are all of us thinking to ourselves, I'm getting old. And of course, if you watch the show, uh, you will remember its identity as the place where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came, where you can see our troubles are all the same. And I just want to tell you, uh, that's the kind of place that we at Southlands are striving to be, that we want to become. But I want to also remind you, it's important to see that that does not happen in a room like this. It can't. It can only happen when you choose to get connected, to live in community with a small group of 8 to 10 people. That's where everybody knows your name. And that's where you begin to figure out that all our troubles are pretty much all the same, right? And we've had a saying around here at Southlands for more than, than 10 years. Uh, some of you know it by heart. It's no perfect people allowed. And so I just want to say again today, if you're a perfect person, you've got it all together. There's no sin in your life. The doors are right there, okay? You should go find another church because you won't be happy here because we don't allow people like you. But here's the good news. In fact, I like to do theology by voting sometimes, right? We do that. Uh, how many of you would say, I am not a perfect person? Would you just raise your hand right now? And it's good to know I don't see any people that I need to rebuke for lying. <laughs> see, the good news about that is that's all of us. We're all welcome here. We all belong here if we have issues, I mean, who has issues today? Anybody here have issues? Yeah. You know, this is a place for you. See, Southwind's church is just a place for messed up, broken people who've received forgiveness and hope from a good and gracious God. And around here, in case you don't know it, let me just tell you, we have lots of hurts and habits and hang-ups, every single one of us. But we're here because we want to change. We're here because we want to grow. We're here because we've discovered that God is a Father who gives us the power for that to happen. And we recognize that it only happens when we do that with other people. See, we don't have it all together. And if that's you, you should be welcome here. And by the way, I like to say this too. If you ever find a perfect church, please don't join Okay, you're, you're going to mess it up, so just <laughs> leave them alone. Well, why did God use this, choose this as a picture, an illustration of what it's like to be spiritually connected to a church? And it's because of this. In a family, the members love one another. That's how we're supposed to live. And those of you who have taken uh, Discovery 101, which is our, our membership class, you will know that in that class, we expect every member of our church to sign a membership covenant. There are some basic agreements and commitments we make to one another. And one of those is this. I promise to love the other members of this church. Now, I want you to notice, uh, you don't have to like all of them, but you're supposed to love all of them. And again, if you don't really want to do that, I would encourage you to find another place because we want everybody 
to be working on loving everybody else around here. I came across a story that happened at the Olympics in 2000, the Sydney Olympics, and maybe you remember this story. Uh, Eric, the swimmer, Musambani from Equatorial Guinea, uh, was kind of an unlikely hero at those games, and I'll, I'll never forget watching him. Maybe you saw him too. He was 22 years old, and he had only learned to swim months earlier. So he's, he's going to be in an Olympic swimming race. He'd only practiced in a 20-meter pool without any lane markers. He'd never raced more than 50 meters, but they had instituted a little special invitation program, uh, the International Olympic Committee, that invited uh, people with, uh, from some poorer countries to be part of the Games, even though they didn't meet the usual uh, standards. And he had been entered in the 100-meter men's freestyle. So you probably know they have lots and lots of heats before they get to the you know, get to the, the races that they show on television. And in his heat, there were just two other swimmers. And both of these guys, um, evidently not a whole lot better than him, because they both got disqualified by false starts. And so he was forced to swim all by himself. Uh, Eric Musambani was, to use the words of the Associated Press story about his race, quote, charmingly inept. He never put his head under the water as he was swimming. He flailed wildly to stay afloat with 10 meters left because he'd gone 90 whole meters. He virtually came to a start, stop, and some of the spectators were afraid he was going to drown. Even though his time was over a minute slower than what qualified for the next level of competition, the capacity crowd there at the aquatic center stood to their feet and cheered the swimmer on. And after what seemed like an eternity, he reached the wall and then he hung on for dear life. <laughs> he got out, and when he caught his breath, they interviewed him. And the French-speaking Musambani said through an interpreter, I want to send hugs and kisses to the crowd. It was their cheering that kept me going. That's kind of my dream for Southwinds. That we will be a place where imperfect, even charmingly inept, or for some of us, not so charmingly inept people, are supported and helped and cared for and protected and loved by all of us. Maybe you're wondering, how can I get connected to this church family? If that's what you're wanting to know, I would love to talk with you. Any of our pastors would. We'd love to answer your specific questions, but I just want to give you one verse that reminds you of the importance of this. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, first, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then by God's will, they gave themselves to us as well. Again, these are the most important commitments in life. First, you give yourself to Christ. You become part of God's family, and then you commit yourself your life to a local church family where you say, this will be my church home. This will be my church family. This is where I will do life together with other Christ followers. I want to close with an email that I received the afternoon of May 19, just two weeks ago. It was after our grand opening Sunday. Here's what it said. Hi, Pastor Mike. The first time I ever came to Southwinds, it was the end of 2015. I was newly diagnosed with a life-changing genetic disorder, fresh out of a physically abusive relationship. I was lost, broken, 
abandoned by the fa my father before I was even born. Needless to say, I was a total wreck. I will always remember that first Sunday that I dragged myself into the sprung, not even having slept a wink that night before because of depression. I had no particular views on God, but a restless stirring inside me pushed me into the car, made me do a quick Google search, and before I knew it, my GPS had me headed to Southwinds. I was scared, I was crying, and to top it off, there was a road closed sign at the front of the road leading to the church. <laughs> and as your pastor, all I have to say is, thank you, San Joaquin County. <laughs> Sorry, pray for me. Because um, I was up for like a year and a half. Um, though I am easily discouraged, I managed to squeeze past the sign into the parking lot, out of my car, and into a seat at the church. Honestly, I was a huge wreck that morning. I have no idea what you preached on. I didn't stay the whole service. But I did, all caps, hear a song that woke up a curiosity and longing inside of me I did not know was there. That song was, you're a good, good father. Something I'd never had. I heard that song again and again in my head throughout that next week. So I came back, and I made friends. I joined a small group. I got baptized. I explored this new relationship with my good, good father. I financially gave to NextGen, which was scary for me. Was I even going to be here at this church for three years, I would ask myself. But God kept nudging me. Even when times got hard, when I had to undergo surgery, when some of my friendships in the church were lost, when things didn't go as I had thought, when financial strain came, when more life-changing diagnoses were discovered, he still nudged me. And when I look back on these past three years, through the highs and lows, the challenges and the victories, I see blessings. Blessings in the form of friends, small groups, living grace, mental health recovery, which is literally again, all caps, a life-saving group. Through time spent volunteering with pre-K classes in kids' space or getting to greet the guests on Sunday morning, through every person who smiles, remembers me, and asks how I am, because for me, that's huge. I've always been shy. I've always felt out of place. I've always felt like the outsider, until I came here. It really came full circle for me this morning when I heard the worship team perform Good, Good Father once again. As they did that day, I walked through the sprung doors in late 2015. For the first time in my life, I know what it is to have a good father. He may not be flesh and blood, but he is even better than that. And Southwinds has shown me that through acts of love, kindness, service, and acceptance. Thanks so much for everything this church family does. Love, always. It takes a community. It takes a community. And once again, if you are not in community, 
You are missing out on what God has for you. You are missing out on spiritual growth. You are missing out on so very many blessings. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Would you please bow your heads as we pray together?